Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. The, the message last week was on uh, relationships matter. Um, and so Paul had been addressing these these you know, beloved brothers, right? And, uh, and, and some of them that had like left. So he's, he's, call, he's calling out to Timothy and he's, then he's talking about those who had left and those who were doing other things. And, and John Mark, he was saying, bring him to me, even though there had been contention over John Mark, he's like, bring him to me. He's, he's, he's like helpful. He's useful. I'm so glad he's here, you know, uh, that, that he could come and join me. And so we were talking about relationships matter. And so uh, the three was three points to that one, and it was uh, that we mourn the change of a relationship or a friendship. Um, faithful friendships need grace, uh, and uh, we seek tangible ways to meet the need of a friend or someone we're in a relationship with. And so that was kind of like a little bit of that. Uh, but this is going to be what happens when no one shows up, in a sense. Even when all the relationships, all your friendships, everyone kind of bails on you, the Lord remains faithful. And so we're going to see Paul talking about how faithful God has been in his life. And remember, this is his last letter. So what we're reading is probably the last words that we could see that Paul wrote right here, which is a big deal, right? Especially the end of your life, that's a big deal. So let's uh, read Um, If you'd stand and read, if you'd like to stand, you don't have to stand, uh, but we'll read together. Verses 16 through 22. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Greet Prissa and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. It's a hard one to say. Erastus stayed in Corinth and Trophimus uh, I have left in Miletus sick. Do your uttermost to come to me before winter. Eubulus as well as Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and the brethren, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this uh, time this morning. We thank you for your word, and we pray that you'd speak through your word by your spirit, that our ears would be open to hear, God, that we would see what we need to see, and we recognize how faithful you have been, how faithful you are, and how much you are deserving of our full trust and faith in you. So, God, we, uh, we just pray that you just be in the midst of this working and uh, this time during the message, uh, during worship, afterwards the fellowship, Lord, that you just be moving and working and uh, we'd be useful uh, to meet one another um, and uh, be used as your hands and your feet to minister to one another. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You may be seated. Yeah, so last week we talked a lot about how important relationships are, how God created us to have a relationship with him, obviously, right? That's the whole garden thing is that's relationship, God and man hanging out together, working side by side in a sense where God's allowing man to be part of what he's doing. This is the optimal call for us to be hanging out with God and to be doing what we were created to do. 
And, and then in doing so, we bring beauty, we bring order, we bring life. And then, of course, sin came in and messed that whole thing up. We became super selfish, all about ourselves. Everything became a disaster, right? And so what Jesus did is he came to restore fellowship between us and him. And now we're allowed, we're partners in the kingdom again. Problem is, sin's still around, right? Uh, and, and we've been loosed from the bondage or the chains of sin, but we, it's still around us, and we still have a body that, we ha- that fights against the flesh. It's no longer like we're completely enslaved, but there is a battle going on for us, right? And so God created us to have that relationship with him. He also created us. Remember, God didn't create Eve before the fall. Matter of fact, she was part of it, obviously, right? But he created man and woman, that there would be togetherness, right? So it's, it's us and God and then it's us and each other. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love God. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. Relationships are really, really important. And actually at family camp, the theme that we had was uh, we were looking at the body of Christ. And it was unity and diversity. And we were looking at our youngest camper was Joey, right? And our oldest, who we didn't figure out who the oldest was, somebody, Um. I have a few guesses, but I don't know for sure, right? And we're saying from the youngest to the oldest, male, female, all different types of thinkers and athletes, all kinds of different types. We all have a part in the body of Christ. And we can't say to one another, I don't need you. Just like the hand, the eye can't say the hand, I don't need you, right? We all are meant to be together in unison. So, so God has created us to have a relationship with him, but as Christ is the head, to work as a body united and together in diversity, yet unity, right? What's the term? Unity, not uniformity. Together, relationship, right? And so the ideal is that's what this place is, right? The church where we can be one with one another, and where we can be real with one another, and we could share what's going on, and we could pray for each other, right? And we could lift each other up, and we celebrate in our wins, and we mourn our defeats together. And so that's the ideal goal. And so the idea of relationships is really important because you're part of that. Every person is part of that. So you can, that's what I loved about when we were in camp. We were like looking at these little kids' eyes and say, we need you. You are part of us, and we need you. Just like our third child, Hazel, when she came into the scene, she was late, man. She was late to the party. But we said, man, what would life be like without Hazel? We can't imagine. We needed her, just like we needed the other two as well. But it's like, man, what would life be like without you? We love you. We need you. Come be part of this. And so that's the church, right? That's a family setting, but we're all part of the church family, right? So relationships matter. And Paul makes a point, and he's going to name some names at the end here as well. He cares about people. People are important. And so uh, he cares about them. He wants them to be around them. But sometimes we can start putting people in a place where they do not belong. And we, uh, we put people in the place of uh, where only God can be, where only God can minister, where only Christ can fill and, and then we get frustrated because we go, why aren't you God? And they go, uh, because I'm not. Why aren't you God? We're not talking about me. We're talking about you. 
Why haven't you given me everything I've needed, right? And so Paul is now going to say, even when everyone else leaves, the Lord was there. He was with me. And how does Paul know this? Oh, he's read a lot about it. No, he's experienced it. So verse 16, at my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and so the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion. I love that. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion. Okay. Uh, so Paul's first defense, right? Uh, Paul had been in trouble multiple times. We know when he went to Jerusalem, there was like a warning. Don't go to Jerusalem. There's trouble waiting for you in Jerusalem. And indeed there was, right? Uh, Paul's warned not to go. Acts 21, he, he ends up in custody. He gives his full testimony, uh, shares the gospel. He's just going for it, right? Uh, and, and then they, he tells them, hey, they're about to like, scourge him and take him out. He's like, yeah, you can't do this to a Roman citizen. They're like, you're a Roman citizen? He's like, yeah, I am, right? And so he's telling about his citizenship, and, and we eventually get to Acts 23, uh, where Paul is, is kind of alone. No one has stood up for him. No one has been on his side. No one has been a, a, a character witness or whatever for him. He's, he's feeling very alone, uh, Right? And so uh, chapter 23, verse 11. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified of me in Jerusalem, you, so you also must bear witness in Rome. Uh, be of good cheer is not just be of good cheer. Be happy-go-lucky, Paul. No, be of good cheer is, you know what it means? Have courage or take courage. It's really interesting that this was the text this week because I felt like God was really pressing on my heart that I really believe there's going to be a, rise, a rising in the next generation of, of people with courage that are not scared of what everyone says or, 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 or says about them or will squash them or fear of, of you know, being ostracized for telling the truth or, or speaking the truth in love. And so I was like thinking... I feel like there's a part of what the church needs to do, and we got to be careful how we do this. It's got to be done in the Lord, not in the flesh. If it's in the flesh, it's going to be a nightmare, right? But as we have to, uh, like, give people, let people know you can have courage in the Lord. Oh, I mean, if we read the Bible, that is exactly what you see over and over again. They were not scared of men. And when they're not scared of men, God shows up. Okay, and so I think there's going to be a next generation. I actually think it's going to happen because I, I believe this upcoming generation is actually very courageous. I really do in, in a lot of ways. I think that they are, are not afraid to speak the truth, but I think as they find out the truth they thought was the truth isn't the truth, that they're going to rise up with a message of hope. This is how it happens a lot. Society goes really downhill, and then there's a generation that says, we are done with this. We are over this. We are not falling subject to this anymore. And we're, we're going to come, we're going to bring the truth. So, I think it's interesting, right? We're looking at this message. And so, what's the message that Jesus tells Paul? Be of good cheer. Have courage, Paul. You know what you're doing right now? Right now you're stuck here in Jerusalem. But don't worry. This isn't the end. I'm going to have you be a witness of me in Rome as well. Verse 12, and when it was day, some of the Jews banded together uh, and bound themselves. This, I just love this part, so I'm just going to say it. Under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Uh, now there were more than 40 of them who had 
formed this conspiracy. They came to the chief priests and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a great oath. How great is that oath? That they will eat nothing until they have killed Paul. And they haven't eaten to this day. These people did not kill Paul. I bet you they, uh, their great oath wasn't so great a couple days later, right? We're not going to, you know, whatever. It's funny. I, I just thought it was funny, right? And so there's this, oh, we're, you know, what, what the world thinks they're doing, what man thinks they're doing against Paul. And Jesus shows up when Paul's probably feeling the most alone, the most destitute, when he's feeling like, man, what am I doing? And, he's, and you know he's thinking, they all told me not to go to Jerusalem. Should I have even gone to Jerusalem? And, and then what? The Lord shows up and says, yes, you were, and yes, you will go to Rome. Be of good courage. Be of good cheer. Have courage, Paul. And you know what makes you have courage more than anything else? Is knowing who's with you in the room, right? There's something about that, right? When you're with someone that you know, okay, this guy's good. You know, he's got my back. You know, things get weird. We're good. We can handle this, you know? How much more when Paul knows the Lord is with me? And not only is the Lord with me, he's told me where I'm going next. And that means I'm not dying here right now. That means this isn't the end. So he has this deal and he has this, this courage, right? We, we, we see this throughout the Bible. I love, there's some really good Old Testament examples where man fails and, 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 and people are alone and think, oh, this is the end. And then God literally shows up, right? Think about in Daniel chapter three, Nebuchadnezzar sends forth this decree. He's like, there's no God, so I'm gonna be God or, or whatever he's he actually, had, he was weird. He's a weird one because he's like, yeah, that's the Lord, but you know what? I'm going to make it about me. And so every time you hear these, you know, flutes and lyres or whatever, you know, you got to worship me, right? Daniel 3, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar in a rage and fury gave the command, oh, because they weren't doing this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is like, we might burn. We're not bowing. It's not going to happen, you know, because that was the deal. We'll throw everyone in the fire if they don't listen and they don't bow. So Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, who I believe will see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. Is that insane? Like later on, he's like, he goes nuts, and then he comes to his senses. I don't know. It's pretty wild, right? In a rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, so they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound, or now, you, now if you're ready, you hear the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? He's mocking God, really. And so what is he saying? He says, no one's going to save you. I will throw you into the furnace if you don't do what I tell you to do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have courage. Why? They know God's with them. And they're going to find out for sure soon what happened. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer to you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve will be able to deliver us from the burning, burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor 
will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Courage. Fearless in the midst of death. The man is holding, he thinks he's holding their life in their hands. They're like, you don't hold anything. You think you're in charge. You're not in charge of anything. So Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage, commanded that the fire be made seven times hotter than normal. Which is like, man, it's already a fire. Like, how hot do we got to get this thing, you know? Fire is fire, anyway. Seven times hotter. This is angry, right? So then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose uh, and in haste and saying to the counselors, did we not cast? So they get thrown into the fire and all of a sudden they're looking in there and they, they see what? Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Let me tell you, if you get close, the smell of fire is on me. I washed my beard, and it just doesn't come out, okay? And that was from the campfire. This is insane. But it, as you notice, right, faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. There's a lot of times we look and we go, well, how come we don't see God? There's a lot of times there's just no faith. We don't trust him. We believe, I think actually, we trust everything else around us more than we trust him. So we fear, what are we supposed to do? What is the beginning of wisdom? Is to fear the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. Fear is a gift if it's in the Lord, right? But we fear everything else so naturally. And we go, oh gosh, God, I'm sorry. You're gonna have to forgive me. I can't, this one's too sketchy. And so you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I think the spirit of the Lord must have come upon them to have this kind of boldness. And they're like, we might burn. And because even they said, I think God could save us from your fire. But even if he doesn't, we are not bowing down to you. So they're of courage. And what, is, what happens? Great faith, God shows up. Boom. And what's the result? Not just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But, well, this will be a cool story to tell. Nebuchadnezzar now is like, what was that? And it actually sets forth like in motion, like a, a different feeling, you know, throughout all the people, right? Uh, and then we have Darius or Darius later on, Daniel. And he gets tricked uh, into basically you know, saying, all right, no one is allowed to bow or serve any other gods for this amount of time. And Daniel's like, I got to serve God. And he's like, shoot, you know, he's one of his top three guys. And then he ends up going in the lion's den and we see him pleading at night. He's like, oh man, what am I going to do? Darius, is, he's, he can't sleep. He's freaking out at night. Daniel chapter six. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought before him. It means no joy at all. Also, his sleep went from him, so he didn't sleep. Then the king arose early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. 
And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I found innocent I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Two wild stories within a couple chapters of each other of God showing up in a big way when these men refused to bow to everything around them. They had courage, right? I think it's because they knew that the Lord was with them even when no one else was. So you got to be careful because a lot of times you think, oh, we got all these people with us. Oh, you know, we're good. We got a whole crew, you know. It's like the mob mentality. Everyone gets brave when you're in a mob. You single someone out and they are not brave anymore. You're like, tell me what you think. Ah! (laughs) Get away from me. You're like, please just talk to me. Can you talk to me? You just want to talk? Okay, you know. Find out, are you brave or are you just like being in the middle of people? You know, you feel safe in that bit, kind of an environment. What is it? Men and, men and women of God throughout generations have been willing to give their life for their faith. Why? Because they believe that God was worth serving over anyone else or anything else. So Paul, he's in a position much like this. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm up against it, you know. And, and where are my friends? Where is everyone? He's got to be doubting, like, why am I here? And then Jesus shows up or the Lord shows up some form and says, hey, man, no, you're in a good spot and you're going to be able to be a witness later. Have courage, man. Have courage. Don't stress, right? So Paul has all of this in mind when he's saying this, when he's saying, like, God showed up. Even when everyone forsook me, God was there. The Lord was there. He was faithful even when everybody else was gone. Psalm 139, verses 8 through 10 says, If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So it's like no matter where I find myself, if I'm, if I'm down, down in the earth, if I'm up in the sky, if I'm in the sea or if I'm whatever, you are going to, be with me. And that's one of the Jesus' promises. I promise never to leave you or to forsake you, right? And, and especially if you've grown up with like kind of a traumatic childhood, being forsaken or uh, no, you can't trust your parents means it's hard to believe that you can trust anyone. So God wants us to remember that he, that his, that he is ultimately trustworthy, Right? He cannot forsake us. He cannot, he won't, he can't, he's not going to. So we can trust him completely with everything we have. Uh, And so that's what Paul says. Relationships are important. We need to be, they need to be cultivated. But at the end of the day, it is only God that can meet us in our darkest hour. And that's one of the things too, where you go and, and if you see someone, then they're in a place where they're passing. It's like, you can help them as much as you can, but this is you and God now. That's where you meet. This is between you and the Lord. This is all that remains in the end. 
So cultivate relationships, value them, use them at the end of the day, even when all your friends bail on you, even when you feel like people have let you down. First of all, ask yourself, did they let you down? Or were you asking something more of them than you should have? Like, were you asking them to be God when they're not God? But even if they, you're not asking too much and they have let you down, a lot of times it's like a bit of a mix of both, right? We have God. That's God has got our back. And he's with us. He promises to be with us. And so Paul says, at the end of the day, he was with me. Okay? So despite um, being made to testify alone, Paul had a, a special messenger saying, the Lord himself reminding him, take courage, Paul. Take courage. Um, when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were dead in the water or in the fire, the Lord met him. When Daniel was saved by, uh, by God, he sent an angel. He took care of it, right? So Jesus ultimately, uh, he was in the same place. He couldn't get what he needed from his friends at all. He was asking them, can you guys just kind of sit with me and actually be with me? And can you pray with me? And they kept falling asleep the night before he's going to be crucified. And he's like, you guys are so goofy. Could you not sit and pray with me? <laughs> Couldn't you just sit and pray with me? But what's Jesus doing in the meantime? He's spending time with the Father. He's spending time with him. And, and ultimately, Jesus experiences the greatest loss of separation, short time of separation between him and the Father. That's, I think, what he's grieving the most as he's taking on all the sin of the world. And then he bridges the gap so that those in Christ would never have to experience that again. We could have a relationship with him where we, he never, we're never apart from him. This is really good news to know that God is with you. So when you're looking at your life and you're like, I have a storm in my life. It's nothing but a storm. Does it help you to know that the God who can calm storms with a word is in the boat with you? You know, if you, if you feel like I'm in the middle of, of drought, there's nothing but drought in my life. Would it help you to know that he can make water come out of a rock? Would it help you to know that he can make food rain from heaven? God promises he's with us. And because he's infinitely, you know, can do anything he wants, then it's like, who could be against us? If God is for us, who could be against us? If the whole world's against us and God's for us, we're winning. He's got us. So Paul says, listen, they all forsook me. But listen to what he says this. May it not be charged against them. The Lord showed up. You know what? He has grace for them. He, was great. he has grace for those who weren't there. He didn't expect more out of them than they could give, in a sense. I'm sure he's like, I'm sure you guys regret that. We all have that, those regrets. You're like, I should have been there. I should have done that. I should have, you know, whatever, 2020. And so he's like, man, may it not be charged against them. Um, so yeah, we need our, our relationship uh, we need our own relationship with the Lord too. That, that's important. That's, a, that's where Paul has that, that mentality. Because sometimes you'll see people get saved through someone else. Remember I had a friend who, who got saved and then um, his girlfriend got saved through him kind of. And so her whole relationship with the Lord was attached to him. And he ended up breaking up with her because of that. He's like, this is not healthy. And sadly, it was kind of like the relationship with the Lord went sideways. Because it wasn't really about that. It was through him. And so he's like, this is not good. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Our own relationship with the Lord. Uh, everyone, and by the way, everyone else will fail you. The perfect spouse will fail you, you know? 
Everybody will because they're not God. Only God can meet us at that level. Um, verse 18, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Remember, this is at the end of his life. So you're like, oh, are you going to live? No, what he's saying is the Lord will deliver me from every evil work, meaning it's not going to win, and he'll preserve me for whatever he wants to do with me. Remember, even when Paul said he was dying, he wasn't like, they're fine. They're going to kill me, guys. I know it. He says, no, my life is being poured out purposefully as a drink offering. I'm, my blood is poured out as an offering before the Lord. So if they think they won, they didn't win, just like they didn't win when they killed Jesus. They actually lost the worst when they killed Jesus. They had no idea that they were, you know, whatever, you know, evil demonic spirits. It's like you guys are signing your own death note. Now it's all coming downhill on you. Why did you kill him? Did you, you didn't get it? So Paul's like saying, everything I have is for his kingdom. I'll be, and so God be the glory forever and ever, amen. So he's able to deliver me and will deliver me from whatever he wants to deliver me. And in the meantime, I'm gonna trust him, whether I live or I die, whether I'm here on earth ministering to you or if I'm in heaven, which is far better to live as Christ, to die as gain, Okay. Then he says this, verse 18, greet Prissa, which is Priscilla and Aquila. We've seen them before, right? And the, and the household of Onis, Onisiphorus, which means he might have passed. We don't know. It's the household. Uh, whatever is going on, I don't know. Maybe he's part of that. Uh, but he's, he's talking about greeting, saying hi to those people for me. I love these people. Go, go tell them I love them, right? Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophim... Trophimus, and uh, I have left in Miletus sick. So real stuff going on. Here's like almost like the prayer list. Hey, say hi, I greet everybody. Hey, we got this guy stayed in Corinth, just so you know. Because it's not like they'd have like a GPS tracker. Or they weren't uploading from like Instagram. Hey, we just moved, you know, or whatever. He's like, just so you know, these are where those people are. So if you're going through there, you could go see Erastus. And, you know, anyway. Um, so these names mattered. He cared about them. And he knew Timothy cared about these people too. Again, people matter. 10, do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus uh, greets you as, he, as well as uh, Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. Uh, do your best, your utmost to come be before winter. Uh, part of it is it's going to be cold, right? He's holding him to bring his jacket, his cloak, um, and all his other stuff. That's part of it. But the other part is the, the you know, they stopped the boats at some point. Remember, uh, Paul's uh, part of his prison journeys. Uh, he's like, guys, it is not the time to be going. And they're like, yeah, we'll just go for it. And they end up shipwrecked, you know, Malta. And, 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 and Paul's like, hey, guys, God told me none of us are going to die. I got some good news and some bad news. You want the good news or the bad news? The good news. Okay, cool. Uh, none of us are going to die. Cool. What's the bad news? The ship ain't going to make it. Okay, <laughs> so you get all of a sudden a castaway scene over there. No, I mean, there's people there, but, uh, and, and Paul's being, you know, God's using him even as a prisoner to bring light in the midst of darkness as he has courage to do wherever he's at, he's being used, right? So he's saying, Timothy, if you want to come see me, see me now or never. If you, you want to see me, just you got to get here as soon as you can. Because remember, it was months of travel to get there. And so he's like, if you want to come see me, man, do your best to get here. And I think sometimes uh, it's, there's times where we're called just 
to drop everything and go do stuff. You know, you, you know, it, it, it's, there's like a big thing on like, have you heard like boundaries? If you're just doing everything all the time for everyone, you burn out and your life gets all crazy and chaotic. And, and I think that there's a, there's a case for that. Right. Cause I, I know that. And I've seen, especially people in ministry, it's like, Oh, sorry, honey, I'll be at your next birthday. You know, um, I got to go do this and do this and do this and do this. And it's like, man, this is not, that's not healthy. Right. To not be ever home and because you got to take care of your, your home. That's your first ministry in a sense. But there's times where you drop everything, especially when Paul, your father in the faith, is, is like at the end of his life. Go. Get there, man. Make it happen. So that's what he's asking him to do. Come before winter. See me now or you won't be able to see me. Verse 22. And the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. His last words. His last words sound a lot like the words he said over and over again, which I think is a really cool thing, right? It's one thing to be able to, to put together a really sweet last words. Wow, that was really well curated. And, you know, you were able to, you know, articulate yourself so clearly. And it sounds wonderful, but it sounds nothing like your life. You did not live that life. Paul's last words sounded like all of his words. He was saying this same stuff over and over again throughout his whole ministry life as soon as he got saved on. So what's the deal? What's he saying here? The Lord Jesus be with your spirit. You know what that means? Have a close relationship with Jesus. Let him minister to you. Be built up in him. Abide in the vine. As you abide in the vine, guess what? You're built up and, and, and all these fruits start coming out. The fruits of the spirit start coming out of your life. Why? Because you're attached to the source that brings forth life. You've been watered and, and you've been cultivated and you've got the right amount of sun and boom, what do we got? Fruit. So the last words I, I have for you, Lord Jesus Christ, be with your spirit. Let the Lord be close to you, near to you, that you spend time with him, that you have a relationship with him, that you are built up in him. Otherwise, you're going to look around and go, how does everyone do it? How does everyone do it? How does everyone do it? Is this how we praise? Is this how we praise? Is this how we praise? On my knees, on my face, on the ground, whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not the point. The point is that you know the one you're singing to. The point is, you know the one you're praying to. The point is, when you read these words, you don't go, this was academic and great, you know? I saw, I saw a video, it was really funny, and, and uh, <laughs> it was a guy's, it was someone that said, you know, when people say to me, I read the whole Bible, and uh, I still don't believe in God. He says, I don't think that's the flex you think it is, you know? That means your reading comprehension might not be that good. Right? Like, you can, I, I've read a book before and don't know what it was about. Does that mean I'm smart? You know, anyway, never mind. There's this whole spiritual thing, but I thought it was funny. It was a joke. Ha, 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 ha. Okay. Um, but there's, there's a part where you, you read and you look and you go, oh, I'm just getting information. I'm getting information. Oh, cool. Informa more information. I could use that. I could use that. I could use that. Or as we're reading, we go, my heart is struck. I am the man in that story. Right? And when you read the, the, the you know, prodigal son and you go, oh, that, that older brother, he's such a mess. Oh, I can't believe he would treat his younger brother like that when he came home and all that grace. And it's like, well, how do you deal 
with someone getting something when you've been the good guy, good guy and they get as much as you, if not more. And you go, wait a minute. That story is probably more about us being the younger or the older brother than the younger for many of us. But when you're reading it, you go, you see yourself as, if you're reading it correctly, as both the younger and the older brother. <laughs> I am both. I can be both. So what's my warning for the older brother is, oh my goodness, I can be such a, a legalist and such a uh, think I'm doing this all on my own and pump, pumping myself up. And for the younger, man, God's grace is amazing. He is so gracious and merciful and, and extravagant in what he does. Think about the extravagance of God. I like to think about that sometimes. Because a lot of times we think about God in a really small mindset. I do. It's kind of like, you think, oh, he can't do that. He's already... He's already done that. There's one thing I remember we prayed for a miracle and he did it. And I've been like, I literally have caught myself not praying for another one because I thought I already got the one. I don't want to ask for this again. I've already asked for this. And he's like, yeah, well, your needs have changed. You should pray about it again. By the way, God's not like, ah, my bank account is getting low. Dude, if I give this to you, I can't give anything to anyone else. Being selfish, man, praying, you know, for that. It's like, no, like God wants us to come before him. And what is the image we have when, when we pray before God? It's like that little, the guy knocking at the door, knock, 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 knock. Go away. We're asleep. My kids are asleep. No, my guest is here. He showed up early. Knock, 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 knock. <sighs> Fine, you know. It's just like God's not like that. But he's like, persistently, don't. Stop coming before me. Trust me. Come. Ah. So we have the younger brother. Yeah, the grace of God. We need to be like, our minds need to be blown about the extravagance of God. The, the fact that he has fields worth of beautiful trees and flowers that no one will ever see. They grow. They die. They grow again. They die. The fact that, uh, listen, the bottom of the sea, what is going on in there? There's things that are glowing and stuff. And like, they're like, it's like, what is happening? Why did you make the ocean so deep? Because he's extravagant. Why is the universe so big? Because he's extravagant. And he shows you he ain't broke. He didn't run out of funds. So we have this great big picture of God. And we go, you're amazing. You're so full of grace and you're so awesome. And ah, I love that. And we're also reminded that we will be, it's going to be easy for us to become stingy with the grace we give to others when God's given it to us so lavishly. So as we pray, we, we're like, God, check my heart, know my heart. Don't just let me read these things and now I've got more information. Oh, that'll work for apologetics. I'll, get, I'll be able to argue someone. I'm sure they'll come to Christ now, which doesn't, you know, especially with that heart, doesn't happen much. But when you're being changed and transformed, you're looking more like Jesus. So when you have the conversations, maybe they'll look more like Jesus. Who they're like, who is that man? I've never heard someone speak with that kind of authority before. Because the spirit of the living God is in you. He's conforming you into his image. He's transforming you through everything that you're doing and everywhere that you're going. And now all of a sudden you start seeing fruit in your life. Not because you're doing the right things, but because you're becoming the right person. 
Well, it's all through Jesus. So what's the last thing he says? The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And the thing we see all over and over and over again, grace be with you. Amen. We need the grace of God all the time. May we never forget how much we need the grace of God. Right? You're like, I've become a professional Christian. I used to need grace. I don't need it anymore. I think the more you draw, the closer you draw to the Lord, the more you know you need grace. Because the better we can see Jesus, the better we can see ourselves too. And it's like the word of God is, remember, like a mirror. The more we read it, we go, ooh. So that's there, huh? Didn't think about that. And so the closer we get, the more we can see, man, I need the grace of God in my life. And it's meant to be like that. So we receive his grace and then we walk in his grace knowing that no longer we, we don't, he's given us the grace to be forgiven from sins and also the grace to not be tied down by the sins that used to ensnare us. So God's given us grace from sin and has given us grace, uh, you know, from the consequences of sin and the grace from, uh, to, from, to free us from the works of sin or the, the, the entanglements or grasp of sin all through the grace of God because the whole thing was the grace of God. Him sending his son to die on the cross, him making a plan in Genesis chapter three and then the continuation of that plan all the way through sending his son to die on the cross so that we are raised up new life in him. This is all his idea. We didn't come up with this. And, and humanity had no script like this at the time. Ever since then, it's the only script we have, although it gets distorted. This is the good news, right? Someone coming in and restoring, making new when, when they were down and out. Christ, it's, the, it's the Christian story. It's Jesus. Because everything else is like, you don't measure up, you die. Well, that's the sin story. And we know that one too. So as we close uh, 2 Timothy Chapter 4, and actually Paul's life here. Um, although we'll look at some other stuff from him later, but like, you know. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you, and God bless.